0: From the epistle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. May my words find their source only in God, who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I have a rather shocking revelation to make this morning. Not really. I own a car, a 2012 Chevy Impala. I've owned it for a number of years, since 2019. It's a good car. The people who sold it to me, some family friends, they gave me a pretty good deal on it. It's taken me on many trips up to Meadow Lake, Saskatoon, Nipuan, here to Prince Albert, into Manitoba, to McGregor, Ashern, into Alberta this summer, the outskirts of British Columbia, Banff, Yoho, Kootenai National Parks. I've driven the old Impala to many preaching engagements and other ministry commitments. Well, when you do that much driving, the kilometers really add up. There's a bit of wear and tear on it. And lately, it's needed some repairs done. The thing is, I have no clue what I'm doing. Whatsoever on how to fix any of my car problems. That means I rely on the goodness of others. I trust the people I'm giving my, my beloved Impala to. I'm trusting that they will take good care of her and, uh, and fix my car. There's been many people I've relied on over the years to get me a good deal on winter tires, to fix my brake issues, replace my purge valve. That's a long story. Didn't even know what that was. If I would have tried to resolve my car issues based on my knowledge, it would have just stayed in my parking stall and and rusting away. I have zero knowledge. I need help beyond my own capabilities for my car repairs. This is the same for our human problem. Our own human problem. The gospel, pardon me, the gospel proclaims this to each and every one of us. I don't mean our gospel reading for this morning. I'm talking about the Christian message that is proclaimed to us. It's the Christian gospel, the unique proclamation, the message that identifies our religion as the Christian religion. It's what makes us Christians. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news, this gospel message tells us that despite our sinful status before, besi- despite our sinful ways and our status before God as condemned sinners, there is a way of redemption to the work of Jesus Christ. The bad news, though, we're all sinners. We've got to recognize that. Bad news, good news. We're sinners in needs of God's mercy, but the good news is that mercy is available through Christ. This is what the apostle Paul talks about this morning in our reading from 1 Corinthians 15. He says, "Let me remind you of the gospel that I spoke to you that you received that you stand in now unless you received it in vain." What is this gospel he preaches to them? He says that Jesus died for our sins to fulfill the scriptures and that Jesus rose from the dead to fulfill the scriptures. And it's interesting in this message of the gospel he says and then Jesus appeared to the disciples or to the apostles. He appeared to Peter, he appeared to James, he appeared to 500 other other disciples. And last of all, he says, he appeared to me. I think he goes on to declare one of the the greatest declarations that a human being can give themselves, He says, I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. Nobody in our society would admit such a thing. At a press conference, you would never hear somebody say, oh, I'm, you're right, I'm the least of the politicians. But these allegations are, you know, This this is how it goes. I'm sorry they felt that way, but the allegations, they're categorically false. Think just recently of a certain (laughs) governor down in the states. I won't name names. He was accused of harassing women in his office and his security detail. He finally resigned from office, not because he felt like he had crossed any lines, but because he said it's a matter of life and death. That I resign so so that I'm not a distraction for the fight against COVID. Wow. Sorry, I'm a little cynical. My point is, despite my strong opinions on this, my point is, a man is accused and he says, -uh, okay, sure. And yet Paul says, I know what I did. Admit it. I'm the least of the apostles. You know, a person's reputation in our society, it, it's crucial. You've got to protect your reputation at all costs. High reputation equals status. Status equals power. But Paul is quick to admit that he doesn't deserve this apostolic ministry. He knew he did wrong. He persecuted God's people. He knows, I... I was out to go kill people. I was, I was against God. I don't deserve this ministry. Elsewhere, he says, I am the foremost of sinners. Another great description. If the media was interviewing Paul, this is what he would say. Yes, you're right. <laughs> but God is the one who said, I am an apostle here. It is only by the grace of God I am what I am, he says. The lifestyle that he lived, he knows. It did not deserve God's grace. It did not deserve God's recognition, acknowledgement. But God's wrath, not God's favor. This is something that one individual realizes in Jesus' parable found in our Gospel reading for this Sunday from Luke's Gospel. Jesus speaks of a a Pharisee and a tax collector. They both go to the temple to pray to God. They both go, and the Pharisee, he has the list ready. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not like an adulterer or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And Jesus, in this parable, contrasts the Pharisee with the tax collector. The tax collector wouldn't even look to heaven, he beat his breast, a sign of contrition, and cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. According to human standards, that Pharisee had a pretty good resume compared to the tax collector. For starters, he's a Pharisee. You know, that's quite a high position in society in that time. It comes with some status. He fasts twice a week. Wow. He tithes his money. Great. He doesn't extort people. Good guy. He isn't unjust. Not sure what that means, but good. He doesn't commit adultery, wonderful. This guy should be in our church. He's perfect for the kingdom of God. If we had more people like this guy, maybe the church would be growing. (laughs) But according to Jesus, this this is not the person who God found favor with. God didn't take pleasure in this man. Rather, God was pleased with the tax collector. Why? Because the tax collector humbled himself before God and acknowledged his sinfulness. He didn't present a list of achievements to the Almighty. Lord, look what I've done. Aren't, aren't I great? He said, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. He didn't look down his nose. Oh, that tax You know, that's what the Pharisee did. I'm better than that sinner over there. This lowly tax collector, this scum of society, he laid it out plainly. I am a sinner, and I need God. This is a humbling attitude. This is incredibly humbling. And the question we should ask, really, what this parable compels us to ask, who am I? In this parable that's what jesus is doing here he's telling it the pharisees it says that he's telling this parable to those who think they are righteous in their own eyes so who am i am i the pharisee who boastfully approaches the throne of the almighty with the things that i have done lord look what i've done i'm great or am i the lowly tax collector who, said, who brings my sins, say, Lord, you're, I am a sinner, and you have done these things for me. Bring my sins to the foot of the cross. Humbly ask for God to receive me as his son or daughter despite my sinfulness. God's grace creates a level playing field for all people. What I mean by that is, nobody is better than the other sinner sitting next to you who is redeemed through God's grace. We could have Prime Minister Trudeau sitting up here in the front, and he's not the Prime Minister when he's in church. He's a sinner before God, just like the rest of us. It's easy to point a finger, especially, you know, watching the news. There's something wrong with people. It's easy to say, oh, man, they're messed up. But we have to remember, I need to remember, first of all, that I too am a sinner in need of grace. This, I believe, really creates a sense of equality within the body of Christ. The New Testament vision for society is that all people are equal before God. When we come into this church, we sit in these pews. It's no no longer an accountant and a doctor and a plumber and a preacher. Sinners. (laughs) who need God's grace. It is by great God's grace alone that I am a child of God. That's what we all say together. It's by God's grace that we, that we receive redemption through the blood of Christ. It is by God's grace that we receive adoption into his family. It is by God's grace alone that we receive all other benefits of his passion. And this is the wonderful element of, of Anglican liturgy. Is the confession, because both bishop and layperson, priest and, and and parishioner get on their knees on the same floor and confess their sins before God and plead together that He would have mercy on us all. King David in this morning's Psalm provides us with the posture toward God in light of his abundant grace. King David in Psalm 51 tells us what the Lord requires of each of us as we approach the throne of grace. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. We are reminded of that throughout Lent. That's something we're reminded of all throughout Lent. God, you desire a broken, a humble heart. You will not despise it. This is a posture of humility, an acknowledgement that I am in need of the Lord. David goes even further. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Sound familiar? (laughs) I hope it does. This is from our daily office, from morning and evening prayer. We begin, Lord, open thou our lips and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. O oh God, make speed to save us. O oh Lord, make haste to help us. We begin and end the day seeking the Lord's anointing to worship him. We need him to open our mouth so that we could truly worship him. This, this, is, what, this, this is the prayer that David gives us as we think about God's grace. Not all of us are sinners, and we need God's anointing in our life. We need him to... to to touch us, to give us His grace. Our whole lifestyle is an act of worship. As we go out from here, we're fed on the Word, we've worshipped the Lord, now we go out and we live that worship of God. But we need Him to take us. Do we depend on Him in all that we do? Knowing that it is only by God's grace that we can live the Christian life. By God's grace I am what I am. Therefore humble yourself before God. Let us all humble ourselves because like Paul we didn't we don't deserve to be a child of God. And yet he says that doesn't matter. I love you anyways. And that's humbling. That's wonderful. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. Expect us to lay it all out, to be real. And as the old hymn goes, I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. Amen.